There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of October 2013. For newcomers, uh, please use the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find lots and lots of audios where I go through the, for free download that is, where I go through the system that we're born into, how it works, how it's worked for an awful long time and, uh, and where it's all supposed to go because power never gives itself up. It simply changes its form in a sense to bring in new systems that, uh, to please the public and, um, and this new systems are always really held onto and managed by the same people who manage the old system because power is money and money runs the world. And we've seen it through the bank crashes and so on. We've seen the, uh, the rewards almost of banks that crashed, uh, everybody stole their mortgages and so on that uh, there was no real come down on them at all. And this was happening in different countries across the world at the same time. Uh, so therefore, we're living in a, in a system that's essentially fraudulent too, uh, with the debt money, of course, old, old story. And, uh, and of course, we have to pay back debt all the time as they borrow money and print it up. So I have to set up the website, you'll find out all the different organizations that help run the world, ones we don't elect, in fact, the private organizations, the philanthropic ones, the foundations, Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller, etc. They're involved in changing the way that we live. Uh, they even draft up treaties to be signed internationally, uh, internationally like the Earth uh, Treaty, of course, Earth Charter, etc. Uh, they work with the United Nations and also uh, create treaties that come in binding it into law. And then they, uh, they make us all basically follow the rules, the new rules to protect the earth or pay money for energy or CO2 taxes, whatever it happens to be. So the whole world is planned ahead, basically by powerful institutions that are, I think, are above government. In fact, some of them have their own private clubs that manage the media, the CFR, for instance. you find all, every media mogul is a member of the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations, at least, and some are even members of the Trilateral Commission as well. So uh, the news, of course, is uniform and standardized. It's trickled down through Reuters and EPI, and that's your news. It's all, everyone prattles the same news as we get the same information, and we live in Plato's cave, basically. Remember, too, you can get print-ups of the, the, the talks I've given as well, if you want to print them up, and uh, in English, in all the sites listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And if you go into alanwattsentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still order the books and by using uh, personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office or send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through these inflationary times, which they call quantitative easing. It sounds better. Inflation got a bad name during the last Great Depression. But that's really what we're going through. And of course, Stephen, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, that's changed seats again, uh, said uh, last year that uh, 
It was, it was a plan for the next few years to inflate the currency every year for maybe up to 10 years even. So eventually the currency is worth very little at all in purchasing power, as we well know. And this, of course, ties in with the whole agenda of austerity. Uh, the idea of austerity was pushed out uh, by different, again, private organizations, all run by the big private foundations, uh, that own so many think tanks you can't count them all across the world. And these think tanks uh, work in all specialized areas of society, not just economics, but, but uh, uh, in all aspects of society, and they advise governments on what to do again with various policies. And these think tanks um, came out with the Club of Rome, another think tank front group, that said that uh, there were too many people uh, back in the 70s. And they said, too, that um, the consumer society couldn't last. It would have to be changed. And it had been given the consumer society, remember, by Bernays. Ed Bernays, who was a master of uh, advertising and lifestyle changes and so on, who worked with presidents one after another. Uh, so if you want to read articles on him too, I've got many at the archive section at cuttingthroughthemedias.com where I go through some of his, his history and what he was up to and, and the power that he had amongst presidents and so on. And he didn't help to get uh, people into the World War I actually. It's a propagandist. So anyway, the Club of Rome decided that there's too many people and that the edge of prosperity would have to come to an end. And we're going into austerity now. And uh, they also said, too, that democracy would never work. Because the big plans to save us all, they said, to save us all, uh, would not work with democracy. Everyone would complain or fight, and different groups would pressure governments not to go along with things, which they said would have to be done. Therefore, an authoritarian system would have to be established. And really, that's what we have today under the guise of terrorism everywhere. You have the authoritarianism uh, being shown by all the different agencies, especially in the U.S., and Britain's catching up quickly with equivalent forces now. And no one's got privacy of any kind, uh, all to do with, and training you too to accept this. Most folk actually do accept, especially the young, unfortunately. They don't realize how, how valuable privacy is to, to individuals, and always has been, always has been. People had wars in ancient times and even the Middle Ages to do with privacy, invasion of privacy by government authorities, even when kings and queens ruled, with their thousands of spies all working amongst your communities. So we're going through the same old thing, but now it's high-tech, of course. And the Club of Rome said specialists should run the world. We've been trained since at least the 50s, increasingly through the 70s and 80s and 90s to the present, uh, on television especially, or even on the radio, when they bring specialists on, experts in their field, whatever it happens to be, even on the weather channels and things like that, where they tell you to bring your umbrella, like your little child, because it's going to rain, or wear warm boots, it's going to snow. Things like that. Until, and, and you go back into the old uh, writings of people who set up this system, uh, not in the 20th century, but they set up the present time that we'd live through today, culture-wise, because they were into creating a culture, big cultural shifts in society and changes, which has all, all come to pass, actually. We're still living through it all today. They haven't completed it. Many of the guys are dead that sat on the old boards at the Macy Group uh, and worked with the Frankfurt School, like Lord Bertrand Russell, and who were given permission after World War II to do this very thing by the president of the U.S., 
because some groups in the U.S. thought that uh, the, the country might go, go Nazi after World War II. And therefore, they, they gave these groups a lot of power through, through going into education, uh, setting curriculums, uh, what topics should be, should be avoided, what topics should be pushed, and so on, to change the way people think and what to eventually even to expect financially and so on, and more so today. I've also gone through the, the stories recently, in fact, again, because I've done them in the, in the past when they first set themselves up, about the psychological special units set up by Britain and the U.S. I'm sure all countries have them, probably Canada has them too, where um, they prompt the people through, through psychological persuasion, through television, uh, even having things inserted into uh, television dramas or movies, that you're being prompted on what to think or what to feel bad about or guilty about or whatever it happens to be. They prompt you to make the right decisions. But they're also into the computer in a big, big way, of course. Big, big way. Because everyone's using computer. And uh, and they said themselves, they can actually prompt you on what to look for next. And what you're going to look for next is what's been approved for you to look for next. Not not the whole, whole open open scope of what's out there, but what they will approve. And you don't realize it's been, you're being nudged, as they call it, as Cass Sunstein called it, nudged along. So that's the world in which we live. It's all high-tech. We have less and less, um, not just privacy, but we don't even know where many of our, our opinions come from. Very important to know where your opinions are. Are they based on foundations of truth? Are you being used by someone else? Or, or do you simply are you ignorant of the facts and take the, the standard spiel from the media? Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system, the big society that we live in today, which is vastly different from what it was even a few years ago. And people always want to go back to the past, and yet no one can go back to the past because you've changed too. Along with it, we adapt. We adapt, and that's what the big boys who manage our heads know very, very well, how we adapt to things. Uh, and they have incredible methods today of managing people's opinions and their minds and so on. And it's never it's always been this way, mind you, uh, down through the ages, because even religions have been used for the same things, to get the society that was more obedient and didn't kill each other, other and so on, and didn't steal and, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, otherwise, it'd be chaos. But today, of course, it's much, much worse, apparently. And you look all around you, and there's drug problems everywhere, every just matter where you go, drug problems. And even here, in this little place that I live in, they had a murder uh, on Monday of a woman at the end of the street. And it's all about, I don't know if there's even 12 houses on the street. And uh, and then the cops were out uh, with their choppers and so on looking for Hoover who might have been hiding in the bushes or whatever. And uh, it just shows you that no one can escape uh, the chaos that's going on around. And, and society is definitely getting more violent, which of course was known a long time ago by the different associations, uh, mainly Christian associations, which looked at uh, Hollywood in the early days and the violence that they were showing. They said this would affect society and youngsters would copy this behavior. And, of course, there would be many, many articles I've read on the air and others have too, to do with studies on on how our behavior has been changing and how many, how many movies people, especially children, watch 
going up to the age of five and beyond and how it affects them, etc. And how many murders, or simulated murders, you see on television. Uh, and, uh, and it's phenomenal. It's staggering. And the problem gets to, to, to a bigger problem where, where people who are really into incredible TV watching and so on, their behavior definitely will change and become more aggressive and so on. The television's also been used even for the various revolutions in society, which are social and cultural revolutions. Uh, the women's live movement was pushed through television, even through comedies and, and dramas and so on, and movies. Uh, until they wanted to almost reverse the roles, apparently, some of them said at the top. And so society cannot go back. It is what it is today. It can't go back to, to, to some fictional uh, Andy of Maybury uh, scenario. And it never was like that anyway. But as I say, society is definitely getting more violent. And even uh, I looked up drugs in Sudbury, the drug problem, and apparently it's, it's phenomenal in Sudbury, the next town to me which is a mining town, and it's just absolutely phenomenal, uh, the problem with drugs and Oxycontins uh, and so on and so on, uh, that the youngsters are all on. And even the robberies, even the ones that came around a couple of years ago at Christmas time in, in my area too, where the guys hit five houses in a row in, on a street not far from here, and they dumped a lot of the, the stuff they'd stolen in the last house that they robbed because the guy had better stuff. So they wouldn't make room in their truck for it. And he told me that uh, the stuff would probably get sold for, for drugs. That's what he'd been told. So uh, it's just incredible, today's society, to what it was not so long ago, really. And it's getting worse. So you, you find out it's not all terrorism. Terrorism It's literally um, domestic disputes and, uh, and drug problems, um, Etc. Etc. Anyway, in in London, for instance, and this article is like almost a repeat of what came out before, but it said that uh, the Met Office now they're using, or, or the Mets, the metropolitan area, London, they're using a computer algorithm to predict where crime will happen, and it says that the computer algorithms will generate future crime maps that lead police to where incidents are likely to occur, and so far been shown to make policing up to seven times more successful. Strange that, in a way, isn't it? But with all these algorithms and study groups and so on that are going on with universities involved, they're getting so much data on human behavior and everyone's behavior, uh, your personality makeup, your personality profile, it's all up there on the internet, basically. And um, But certain areas seem to attract certain people at a certain time and end up with trouble for some reason or other. It says all police forces are now being encouraged to, encouraged to adopt this system because it's no longer possible to throw over time at the problems. Well, and this is true too, as we go through the massive shift of money that used to be for policing and to anti-terrorism and special agencies and so on, uh, then, uh, then the police are, are starting to get sold the idea that uh, computers are going to solve a lot of their problems for them or help them predict crime, etc. The US, I believe, in some states is using the same system. And Canada might be too for the big cities, I don't know. But that's the way it's all going. And uh, you understand, too, that computers are not going to solve the problem. And neither are algorithms either. It's not going to solve the problem, the underlying problems that cause it all to happen, you see. A society is, is pretty well broken right now, and it has been for quite some time. As the cultural mores, everything changes. We had uh, the sexual liberation. We had all these different uh, uh, social uh, revolutions 
and they called it the sexual revolution at the time. Uh, you had the television and movies pumping out, pumping out guys with, supposedly on drugs even in the movies. You had pop stars getting interviewed on television for years, uh, stoned at their guards and falling off their seats. And you'd have the interviewers uh, laughing away and teeing and, and tittering as it was all really funny. And that was a message intended for the children, which they certainly soaked up. And here we are today with the mess. I think part of it, too, is to do with society doesn't know where it's going anymore. And uh, it's interesting to the old philosophers to, to do with men of vision, as they called them, the ones who would come along once in a while and lead them from one era to a next era uh, by having a vision for their country or whatever. Unfortunately, it used to be, mainly be to do with war, with someone else having a war and creating empires and so on. But they called them men of vision, uh, ones who, who had an idea of how to give the masses a purpose uh, for, for living and for the way things were and so on and so on. In other words, creating a culture. Uh, but today, as we go global, it becomes even more difficult to, 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 to get people to go into a new culture. There was a book written years ago by Desmond Morris. Desmond Morris was a zoologist who did television shows all across the world and with the BBC in England too. And he had a bestseller called The Naked Ape. Uh, now he worked also with psychologists, the ones who were studying humans and, and comparing them to animals. And, and he uh, had a great success, and a lot of it was quite funny in the book too. But uh, he did a second book called uh, Tribe and Super Tribe. And he used the U.S. as an example of the society to come, being multicultural, and, and could the U.S., being a superpower and the policeman of the world, be able to, to get all the different cultures into a, a new culture, an, an American culture, or would they insist that they keep their own cultures and you'd have all these fragmented people and they wouldn't form a super tribe, as he called it. And it's well worth the read for those who haven't heard of it. Because he goes through uh, the findings and studies from universities that were working on this problem way back in the 60s and 70s. And a lot of what they said in the book actually has come to pass. Uh, and um, even talked about the need for a super army which eventually would be global, because, you see, the big boys always knew that that was the goal, to bring in a global society with the free trade rules, the NAFTA agreements for the Americas, eventually a parliament in the Americas. Uh, you, you also have the European Union that was set up after World War II to gradually bring them into losing sovereignty and eventually doing away with the nations altogether. They're just regions, and that's happened as well pretty well until national parliaments are really provincial parliaments now with less power than they used to have. And uh, it's an old, old idea. It goes back to Karl Marx. He mentioned it as well. A trading block with three, three trading blocks in the world, three great ones, with a far eastern one, that'd be the third one. And that would encompass Australia, New Zealand, and China, and a few other countries, Japan, and so on. It's all, you live in a plan almost, a script. That's what we're living through, folks. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and this article too ties in to an extent with this too. This is uh, this is by um, uh, John W. Whitehead, author of Rutherford Institute, and it says to the degree that we take away play, we deprive children of the ability to practice adulthood, and we create people who will go through life with a sense of dependence and victimization. A sense there is some authority out there who is supposed to tell them what to do and they solve their problems for them. And that's true. That's true. I've had people actually, uh, had one fellow phone me up from the States once and uh, uh, he was separated from his family. He got to visit them once in a while. But the children had been brought up with social workers, with the mother, and the children uh, actually said that the social worker was their best friend. You know, that's how it's just part of the family. And now with Britain, of course, everyone's being appointed a, a guardian by the state. Everyone who's born, doesn't matter what class or wherever you come from, uh, it's, it's the law. Uh, then it's going to get worse, of course. It's for training, mass training the public on a big scale. Things that um, Julian Huxley and others talked about back in the 50s. Anyway, it says, this is not a healthy way to live, and that was by psychologist Peter Gray. It says, these days it's too easy to rattle off the outrageous examples of zero-tolerance policy run amok in the nation's schools. A 14-year-old student arrested for texting in class. Three middle school-aged boys in Florida thrown to a ground by police officers wielding rifles who then arrested them for goofing off on the roof of the school. A nine-year-old boy suspended for allegedly pointing a toy at a classroom, a classmate and saying bang bang. And two six-year-old students in Maryland suspended for using their fingers as imaginary guns in a schoolyard game of cops and robbers. Now, you can watch movies and you'll see them, the, the, the gangsters giving that sign too to someone, a potential target. It's a warning. And where do you think they get it all from? And that's okay. It's okay, they say, for, 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 for society to mimic. Or, or what Hollywood will tell you is they mimic society, but it's really the other way around. We know that they're part of the cultural system for cultural changes, and we, we copy them. This is a 12-year-old New York student hauled out of school in handcuffs for doodling on her desk with an erasable marker. An eight-year-old boy suspended for making uh, his hand into the shape of a gun in violation of the school district's policy prohibiting playing with invisible guns. Such a policy. A 17-year-old challenged or charged with a felony for keeping his tackle box in his car parked on school property, potentially derailing his chances of entering the Air Force. And two seventh graders in Virginia suspended for the rest of the school year for playing with airsoft guns in their own yard before school. This is tempting when hearing about the seven-year-old suspended for chewing his pop-tart into the shape of a gun to chuck it up to an isolated example of school officials lacking in common sense. However, as he points out in his book called A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State, says these incidents are far from isolated, occurring as they have for the better part of the past 30 years under the guise of maintaining safety and security in the schools. They are part of a concentrated top-down approach to creating a generation of obedient worker bees content to be directed, distracted and kept in line. But really, when you see the ages of these children and the amount of movies they're watching and all the heroes are, are the guys with the big guns and the guys with the big guns, you can't tell who's the bad guy or the good guy anymore. They're both kind of steroid guys and most of the movies. And it's a guy with the badge or the government's authorized who's always... That's the only guy that you know who's a good guy. He's the authorized guy because his behavior is the same as a bad guy. 
Anyway, it says that despite a, a, a general consensus that zero-tolerance policies have failed to have any appreciable impact on student safety, schools have doubled down on these policies to the detriment of children all across the nation. Indeed, the zero-tolerance mindset is so entrenched among school administrators all over America that we're now seeing school officials reaching into the personal lives of students to police their behavior at all times. For example, 13,000 students in the Glendale Unified School District in California are now being subjected to constant social media monitoring by school officials. And I've got the article on that too, a separate article. So Superintendent Richard Sheehan has hired private firm GeoListening to analyze the public social media posts of students both off and on campus. Whether on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or any other social media platform, Students will have their posts and comments analyzed for evidence of bullying, cyberbullying, hate and shaming activities, depression, harm and self-harm, self-hate and suicide, crime, vandalism, substance abuse and truancy. Unfortunately, the Glendale program is simply one component of a larger framework in which all student activity is treated as an open book by school administrators. What we're witnessing is a paradigm shift in American society in which no personal activity is safe from the prying eyes of government agents and the corporate allies. Every decision and action, no matter how innocent, is scrutinized, analyzed, final stored and eventually held against you when those in power feel like it. When one pulls back the veil of zero tolerance, one can see the real culprit is a corporate state, which has been meticulously applying the zero tolerance mindset to not just public schools in America, but our workplaces, our political forums, our social interactions, and even our own homes. The end result is a society which is completely pacified and willing to march in lockstep with a corporate state. Now, this, this ties in with Professor Carl Quigley's uh, feudal state. He called a new feudal system as being developed. And remember, he was the personal historian for this big agency or society, private organization called the Council on Foreign Relations. Anyone who is anyone in the U.S. business world is a member. Uh, any top politician is a member of it too. In fact, you can't get to the top in politics unless you are a member. He said that himself. In fact, he said, he said you can't join the society uh, you'll be approached, and if they vet you, uh, then they'll, they'll bring you in. So you can't simply go up and pay a fee and join it. And, of course, that's just the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain. It's been on the go for an awful long time, about 100 years or so, and, and actually longer than that under different names. And they wanted to bring, over, bring in a, a, the, the perfect society of, of obedience, of course. Uh, and they really were into eugenics big time. They had lots of plans. They thought they'd bring in um, uh, specialists, again, experts in eugenics to, to bring uh, uh, the perfect citizen into, into being through training and through behaviorism, psychology, and social psychology, and so on. Neuroscientists are all into it now, too. But he said the new system is to be privatized. Everything's privatized. And we've, we've already seen that taking effect over the years, the privatization of all the public um, utilities, etc., etc. And if you find companies like IBM have somehow either been given authority or given themselves authority uh, to set up this global uh, net system uh, for, for all electricity across the whole planet, smart meter systems, the grids, the world grid, I've even put the world grid up that they put out from IBM themselves where they want to eventually put everything, uh, all energy in the world into one grid system.
in that way, um, they can they can take power from one place that's not needed so much and put it somewhere else, and and so on. In other words, they're put to where where the manufacturing is, like China or some third world country uh, that's being brought up at the moment. Uh, so he said that he said the new fuel system they're bringing in, and he was all for it. Remember, he was a member and a historian, and he worked at the State Department in the U.S. Uh, he said that uh, the new uh, CEO, corporate CEOs, will be the new feudal overlords of this system, and that's what we have. That's what we have. In Britain, too, lots of the police have been privatised in some, some areas. Private organisations run them. And then once you're private, of course, you're no longer responsible to the public. To an extent. And that's what the government will tell you, too. If you complain about anything, well, we can't do anything about it. So you see, we don't own them. Uh, they're, they're a private company. So public accountability is being phased out. And you're being trained to accept that, too. It's not a, an accident that you're not getting no real news. For many, many years, you're getting no real news, the whys and wherefores and what's planned to come up and all this. You don't get it anymore. You get more trivia. Trivia is out there like galore like never before. So much so that it's got worse because in Britain, in Australia, in the British Commonwealth countries, uh, Lord Levison uh, came out with his bill, and he got it through, of course, to basically uh, police the journalists. And, the, and now the journalists are just giving you nothing but trivia. I think the States is going the same way too. It's because everything is happening globally at the same time. Because we're in a global society. But anyway, this article goes on and says that the manner of thinking slowly adopted has been slowly adopted by many Americans, but more worrisome is the manner in which it's being forced upon our nation's youth. We're now living in an era in which childhood, as it once was understood, a time to learn, to make mistakes, to try and fail, to try again and succeed, has been re- replaced by the worst elements of corporate and government culture. Children are treated as workers and prisoners, collected, corralled and controlled by teachers who increasingly act as bureaucrats, forced to fit uh, every child into the exact same mould, regardless of their personal abilities and talents. And I've spoken to teachers over the years, ones who, who are retired or or ready to retire, and they've told me the same thing. They can't handle it anymore because that's their job now. They're like a bureaucrat for the government, and it's all psychological control. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about how we really are today and what's really going on. And you have to go into the histories again of the behaviorists and psychologists going way back and uh, to, to do with changing society and the power they were given actually at the end of World War II. Uh, some of them, the top ones, in fact, the American Psychologist Association and also the World Psychiatric Association that was under the daughter of uh, Freud at that time, uh, talked about their right to start shaping uh, every individual's mindset for them, uh, for, for obedience to government and so on. And it's pretty well going that way. But first, of course, they had to destroy the old value system to get their new value system in. And that's part of the problem, too. People don't know where they are. Uh, They don't know where they're going. They they don't know what their culture is, a lot of them, anymore. They really don't know. 
And we're going to the global society. Mass immigrations of people across the world are happening, predicted a long time, many, many years ago. And, um, and it's happening too. So uh, people are getting kind, of, getting kind of lost. But they still go on with this obsession about training children and, to, and leaving it to specialists, not parents anymore. But it says here that psychologist Peter Gray takes the criticism further, noting that children today are rarely allowed the opportunity to engage in undirected creative activity, also known as playing. He notes that since the 1960s, time for play has taken a backseat in the lives of children in favor of rigid curriculums revolving around high-stakes testing. Even sports, which were once simply games played on the, on the fly by a mixed group of neighborhood children, have taken on the rigidity of life in a factory or cubicle. The obsession with quantifying childhood progress has gone so far that charter schools in D.C. are beginning to conduct high-stakes testing for three- and four-year-old children. Remember the Girfreck again and the testing out in Scotland, uh, the, a version for it in England and elsewhere too. So again, from the United Nations. And they want to test them there as young as four months, four months old, for goodness sake. Over the same time period, incidences of childhood mental illness have steadily increased. The number of children and young adults suffering from major depression and generalized anxiety disorder have increased between five and eight fold since the 1950s. The suicide rate for 15 to 24 year olds has doubled, while the suicide rate for those under the age of 15 has quadrupled. The rise in these mental illnesses is coupled with a decrease in empathy and an increase in narcissism in young people, indicating that their ability to work with others as is necessary in a society has been muted. Now that ties right in with the groups I talked about before that were given permission to alter society at the end of World War II. And one of the big, big players was Lord Bertrand Russell. Uh, he wrote a book called Education and the Good Life, and he outlined the plan uh, in that book uh, to create the, the, the proper kind of citizen. And he also did one called Roads to Freedom. But in, in, in his, and one other one too called The Impact of Science on Society, that he was all for to use science to alter a society, the mindset, the behavior of the people. And he says we shall create a nation of narcissists and hedonists. The reason for it being, of course, is the new in ancient times and ancient Greeks talked about it. Uh, they won't have bonding or anything in common with those around them, so they won't stand up to, to the, the power, the power that runs them all. That's happened today. And, and they have less compassion for others. It's a, we're raising a generation of anxious individuals who expect their life's direction to come to them from orders from above. In short, we're creating a generation ingrained with an authoritarian mindset. Getting back to the Club of Rome, that works as a, as a group working for the, the big globalist boys and the United Nations. That's what they said in the 1970s. In their book they put out, they said that um, democracy wouldn't work and they need an authoritarian society. Ever since the, uh, the pushing forward of Freud, this has galloped forward, this whole training society idea has galloped forward like you would not believe. And it has never gone away any more than you, you, the eugenicists have gone away. Eugenics is alive and very, very well. There's even uh, some sites in Britain where the guys are using the term again. They're proud to use it, eugenics. They said that Hitler gave it a bad name. And and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. They're reviving it at all. So eugenics is a big, big part of this too. So psychiatry, uh, through the drugging of people, uh, through through legitimate drugs and so on. Remember that Brave New World, uh, Huxley, uh, Aldous Huxley, the brother of Julian Huxley, the United Nations, 
said that they, they would use uh, I think drugs and drug society to be more compliant. Well, that's that's happened. So many youngsters are on drugs now at school that they think nothing of taking drugs, other drugs. You see, that's training them to take any kind of drug they're given for anything that's going to alter their mood. So it's done on purpose, of course. So nothing's happening by itself, and it's not happening just because big pharma wants big profits. That's a big part of it, naturally, but it's, it's, to done, it's been done for other reasons as well. And government, remember, always allows these, these new drugs to be used on them and new crazy uh, disorders to be put out in the, in the manual for psychiatrists to diagnose non-existent diseases, basically. This authoritarian mindset is an unavoidable consequence of the American education system. Since while so-called other uh, education reformers insist on more tests pushing schools to emulate the Chinese, Japanese, and South Korean educational systems, they miss a big piece of the puzzle. Educators in those countries consider their systems a failure. Despite performing better than American children on certain international standardized tests, Chinese educators have noted that Chinese students have also demonstrated a lack of social and practical skills, absence of self-discipline and imagination, loss of curiosity and passion for learning. You see, if you're trained in that kind of regime, uh, it's true. You, you look for others to always guide you. You lose your ability to guide yourself. And that starts at a very young age when you play with other people. You find out who's good around you, who's bad around you, uh, who's decent, uh, who's kind of kind, who's a nasty bully. You find out, and you find out how to handle yourself in, in those circumstances as well. But they're not getting that today. They're not getting that at all. The, the teacher is, is true, is more of a bureaucrat today. And teachers too are advising uh, in many schools in the US and elsewhere uh, what children they would like to have on, on, on drugs for being hyperactive, as they call it. Now, when I was at school, hyperactive boys were normal because being a boy was normal being, when you have stacks of energy. That's why they gave you the breaks that you did where you would go out and grab a, a, a football or something uh, and you just go at it for a while and then the bell would go again, your back and you went and you'd, you'd tire yourself out. You'd sit and listen to the next lot. That's what it's like to be a boy, you see. But to, and of course, this day and age, they say there's no difference between men and women. We're all the same. This is incredible. This is what they say. It's just you become a boy because you're, you're copying the behavior that's been, that's been instilled by your, a parent or someone else. But just nonsense. There are differences, folks. There are differences. So we're going through this. It says, despite this fact, states are pushing ahead with programs like Common Core, which not only threatens the children's quality of education, but their privacy as well. A great deal of data will be collected under new guidelines proposed by the program. It says, while the purposes of the data collection appear legitimate on the face, everything does on the face of things, mainly focused on keeping track of student progress, must keep in mind that we're living in an era of big data in which information becomes currency between government and their corporate benefactors. And that's a big part of it. This, this relationship in this new feudal age of privatization and, and corporate benefactors and governments and Again, the private uh, institutions and foundations uh, that put their own people into government and high bureaucratic positions. It's just astonishing, folks, that people don't know this is all happening. But there again, too, it's not the present generation, if you go by literally generations, or, or even take it every 20 years, because the mothers and the fathers that are bringing up today's children 
went through their part of the, of the programming as well, in which there's massive transformations in culture being, being really pushed from the top down again, and so on. And that's a, a profound effect as well. Every generation since really the, the early 60s has been, had a, they've had a war on them without knowing about it. They were told they were going to be free with the revolutions they were having, cultural revolutions. And look at the mess we're all in today. Look at the mess we're all in today. And that they've destroyed so many families and there's so many single parent families out there. And people don't know how to get on anymore for very long. You're really in a mess. You have dysfunction everywhere. But the state steps in with all of their new rules and agencies and social workers. And now, of course, after telling women for many, many years and building single-parent homes all over Britain and other countries, now they're taking their benefits away. Now look at the mess they're all in. But it was all planned that way, folks. They're not stupid at the top. They plan the future. Government always plans the future. So does power. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God, school with you.